Hello everybody, this is Jill Garvin, the Director of Psychological Health for the 102nd Intelligence Wing, and welcome to our wellness podcast. Today, I have Technical Sergeant Mandy Givens from the 102nd ISRG here today. I wanted to have her on because she is a member of our resiliency team here at the 102nd. We meet monthly and we talk about different different things going on at the wing, different issues, different trends, different subjects, and how we can address them, how we can help morale, how we can um, help our members here that, that may be struggling. And we have so many different folks here that have different backgrounds, different skills, different trainings. And I really, you know, I've heard Mandy talk and, and she is um, a master resiliency trainer. And when I heard her talking about this at, at our resiliency team meeting, I was very Im- impressed with her her training, but also just her... Um, just her her personality and her ability to um, to connect with people and and her desire to connect with people and to help others and so I really wanted to to ask her to talk about the master resiliency training and and how that can help others and how we can utilize that a little bit more here at the wing. It's a very intensive training. And uh, yeah, I just want to have a little bit of a conversation about that. And then she'll talk a little bit more at the end about um, some projects that she's working on. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the MRT training? When did you go to that? What is it about? Well, Jill, thank you for that introduction. Um, Yes, uh, I attended Master Resiliency Training at the Air Expeditionary Center at McGuire Fort Dix back in 2014. And I was selected for that position due to some personal um, adversity. I had lost a pregnancy and I was going through a hard time in my marriage at the time. And my flight leadership recognized that and saw that I was a good candidate and that um, I would be receptive to the training that was offered. So I initially started out as a resiliency training aide. So I'm kind of backtracking right now. I started. Were you in the ISRG at the time? No, this was for my active duty career. Oh, when you were active duty, got it. Right, and um, I ended up helping our wing um, instruct like resiliency um, down days, some flight training, and then. Due to my passion, I was recognized by our master residency trainer at the wing for an opportunity to go TDY. And that's, a, so speeding back up, that's when I went to McGuire um, Fort Dix for the training. The training was 10 days and um, half of the material was instructional and then the other half was for us as students to instruct then the material that we had just learned. And... It definitely requires you to be vulnerable and you have to be receptive to your own emotions. That's the biggest thing, um, that's the biggest takeaway, I think, from resiliency that I really want people to understand is that it's about working on yourself so that you can help others. But we really, as individuals, need to take care of ourselves, learn how we receive our own emotions and being able to put out 
positive energies and to help other people when in their time of need. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, a couple of things I wanted to comment on was um, that your leadership took interest in, in what was going on for you and, and recognizing the, the loss that, that you had and, and recognizing that, that perhaps giving you this opportunity to, to become involved in this training where you could use your, your tragedy and loss and perhaps carry a message and, and do some service uh, by using, you know, your, your tragic experience to help others, which could help aid in some of your healing, uh, you know, that, that's really remarkable that they took that interest and that you were also willing to do that and that you were open to it. I'm sure it was probably, like you said, you had to be a little bit vulnerable to do that. I'm sure that was very scary. Um, how, what was that experience like uh, initially? And then did, did it get a little easier once you got a little bit of ex experience in the, in the group? So Jill, that's a really great question because um, for me at the time, I wasn't very receptive to it. Um, being that I'm already a minority and the military is female, um, I could not hide the fact that my pregnancy was not successful. So coming back into work from that um, tragedy, it, it was almost as if they really didn't know how themselves to treat me. Mm. And, and for me, I didn't receive it the best. I, I thought, well, maybe they're just kind of passing the buck to this program. Um, they don't know how, you know, to interact with me, but they know like that they I'll be... to get rid of you. Like, well, not oh, necessarily... Like, a training. Well, not necessarily get rid of me, but um, it almost felt like I was being alienated in a uh. way. And I know hindsight that it was obviously the best um, that situation that I could have been in. But in the moment, I just wanted for my coworkers to treat me as if nothing had happened. Mm. And that I think that was just how I was coping with it. But I didn't really think of it from their perspective and how what it would feel like for them to have a coworker that had gone through something such so massive and how they would interact with me. I It was such a range. There were people that offered to talk to me that I had did not have a rapport with very, you know, close personal rapport. And then there were the people that were close with me that didn't know if they could speak about certain topics at, you know, as to trigger my pain. So going into the resiliency training initially, I just felt like, Oh, well, I guess this kind of takes the, you know, any kind of um, responsibility off their back as to, how to deal how with to, it. How to navigate, right? Like with my emotions and how I'm dealing with it. And um, if anything, it just amplified my skills and capability on how to help them yeah. navigate my own pain. And it, it's funny that it comes up occasionally. And when I do mention it, um, some people, their initial response is to apologize. And, 
And that's, I think, appropriate. But I've also had people kind of tear up because then they internalize it and think of their own children that are living and how they would feel if they were to have lost a child. And it's interesting because that's not my reaction because I don't know, maybe I guess the resiliency training has really paid its dividends, but um, the way that I've rationalized um, this whole situation in my particular case was that, you know, human life is imperfect. And I know that I'm not so special that I'm the only one to have suffered from such a loss. And that kind of just helps me to keep moving forward and very open and to talking about it for that yeah. reason. Grief is so fascinating to me because it is so individual. We are also very different in the way that we deal and respond to grief. I know you said that when, when you returned, you wanted, I don't know if these are the exact words you used, but you wanted everyone to sort of treat you the same or act like everything was kind of normal. Did you want people to, to bring it up, to acknowledge it, or did you want people to not do that? Did you want people to, um, to not bring it up at work? Um, so for me, I, I try to think back at that time, and it was only a four-week period where I was out from work. From the time they had last saw me, I was about six months pregnant, and then I showed back up to work four weeks later with no baby bump. And um, I really desperately just wanted them to treat me as nothing had happened okay. for a, a period of time. And um, I kind of, well, I feel like I'm very tactful with these types of things. <laughs> I um, made it clear that I was fine and that I had resources. And um, one of the things that the act, I was active duty at the time they had me go to a, um, a military psychiatrist and I had, I think I had two appointments with her just to follow up with, to see how my mental state was, make sure I wasn't experiencing postpartum depression or anything like that. Um, so I kind of like said my piece and then I would say it took about half a year for things to really go back to normal where people felt comfortable enough through my own interactions and dealing with it and how I behaved to even ask, you know, follow on questions like, hey, you know, I know it's been some time and obviously you wanted to be pregnant. Like, are you considering it again? And even then it seemed soon, but I was very comfortable and I didn't feel like it was an out of place question to ask someone that. And again, like you had mentioned, this was just unique to my situation. And um, the more I've talked about it with a variety of women, mostly they couldn't fathom handling it primarily because they had not ever had experienced that, particularly how long of a gestation period like the loss was, but um, they couldn't fathom handling it in that way. But I, you know, that's the beauty of people is that you just never know how you're going to experience adversity until you go through it. And then coming out, out of it, you know, better, more growth and more development. Um, the idea is that maybe you can help somebody through yeah. your story. And I think that's, I mean, that's what motivates me and that's my intent with 
the program and as a whole. And um, to go back to your original question, like that wasn't how I was introduced into resiliency, but through the curriculum and then um, internalizing it and learning tools, I have really adapted them and adopted them into my life. And a lot of it is subconscious at this point. And I have to sometimes think about it whenever I do hear someone that doesn't have the same skill sets that I have, I have to kind of think from their perspective of like, hmm, I wonder, I, I mean, I can, I guess I can relate to that because I was there at some point, but then what was it that I interacted with or what was the mindset that was introduced to me that helped me get through it? And then I, I do my best to kind of talk them through it. And sometimes it, you know, people come out okay. And then sometimes they're still not able to see that perspective, but all we can do is to try. I feel like just put your best foot forward and help people and um, just go into it as positive as possible. Yeah. Well, thanks for answering that for me. One of the reasons I asked is because, you know, we've got a lot of people here at the 102nd and, all of us experience loss, or we're going to experience loss. I had a loss in January just recently. We've had folks that have lost, um, you know, parents, and there's just uh, no way to to avoid that. And often people are, are very uncomfortable with grief, and they don't know what to say or how to say it or how to be supportive. And um, I liked what you said about sometimes we have to let people know how to support us because, again, we're all so different. So sometimes it's important to let somebody know, hey, this is what I need or this is how you can support me. Um, so when you were, how long was the MRT training for? It was for 10 days. It, it 10 ended days. up being 80 hours of training. About 80 hours. What, what would you say has was the biggest thing that that kind of shifted for you or, the, or that was the most helpful? For example, was it some of the skills you learned? Was it just changing your mindset? Was it dealing with anxiety, stress? For, for me, um, it was being with I was very fortunate with the group of people that I went with. I'm very grateful for the group, the classmates that I had. Um, I kind of was a standout as a E5. The majority of my classmates were senior NCOs and even a couple um, officers. I think that highest ranking officer may have been a major. And um, I kind of felt intimidated to be around so much experience and leadership. So they, you know, obviously they have numerous subordinates. Me as an E5, I only could, you know, count on my hand how many subordinates that I had at the time. So it was a bit um, humbling to hear their experiences, talking about their subordinates and how they've helped them, whereas I didn't have that experience. So whenever it was my turn to instruct, I had to really dive deep and be vulnerable to talk from my own personal experience. And that was the major difference for me. I think maybe that, you know, thinking about it now, because I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question, but I think that could have been a changing point for me was that I couldn't rely on experiences from people um, that I've helped at that time. I had to rely on my own personal tragedy and really like share that with a lot of people. Um, I forget how big our class was, but enough to, to really like have it set in and apply those skills because that was what the lesson was. Um, so yeah, I would think 
that would be, that would have been like the biggest turnaround for me was just not having the experience of helping people through adversity, like all my other classmates were and having to actually speak out loud and actually work through it in a team forum almost um, with my classmates. Yeah. How would you say that it's helped you in your military career since you've been here? Well, definitely since I've been here, it's helped me with my interpersonal relationships. And it's something that is just innate and intrinsic of who I am. Like if I'm working closely with you, I want to know who you are. I want to know like what motivates you. I want to know what you had for dinner last night. (laughs) And I just really want to get to know the people that I'm serving with. I know that it has helped uh, people come to me for advice or mentorship or questions or wingmanship where I feel like when I've opened myself up to that vulnerability of just getting to know people on a personal level, it, I feel like it makes them more comfortable to come to me when they need my help or they trust my advice. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was having a conversation with somebody today about, well, I have a lot of conversations with people, especially kind of lately, just, just a lot of morale stuff right now. I think coming back you know, with the pandemic and COVID and split drills and and teleworking, it just everybody's a little bit on edge and 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 those with kids and, and not knowing you know exactly what's going on with schools and all that. Uh, it's definitely been more more stress for folks and and so. The conversation I was having today in particular was about, yeah, just, just some morale issues and and people knowing their people, you know, and supervisors knowing their people and really kind of going back to basics, especially right now, and, and some of the su- suggestions that you gave, just, you know, how, how are folks kids doing and and what are their kids names and and what are you know some of the things that they've been doing and and some of their hobbies but you know really going back to basics and making sure that you know your people and and the stresses that they have you know is super super important sometimes I get caught up in you know it is suicide prevention month this month September and of course I have trainings that I have to do and some boxes that I have to check and and those kind of things and and you know we we talk about other ways for us to connect at the wing and I really try to be careful to not fall into that checking out the box and doing trainings and kind of doing this some of the mechanical language that that I can fall into you know, myself um, in, in the mental health world, but it really is, uh, it really is about connecting, connection, and, and knowing our folks. You know, that's how we take care of each other. That's how we connect. That's how we prevent suicide. That's how we take care of our mental health. You know, it really truly is all about that connection. And what would you say for... Uh, to, to either supervisors or for some of our members that are that are struggling right now with, you know, with 
work stress or, or morale issues? Like what are some like real tangible kind of skills that they could practice or things that they could think about that could maybe help change their mindset um, that, that they could use that might be helpful from MRT? Well, um, I don't have anything like verbatim for curriculum, but I will say something that has helped me. And I know that it's like, get ready for it because it's not rocket science, <laughs> but you know, take the time for yourself, reserve some time for yourself every single day. If you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling stressed, get a notepad, get a pen or pencil, write down what's stressing you brainstorm ways on how you're, or like even come up with a, a plan, like brainstorm ways on how you're going to fight these adversities. Is there a plan in action? If there isn't, you know what? It's time to get your panel of um, trusted members to come into place, whether it's your family, wingmen, friends, confide in the people that you trust the most to help you through these things. Because as humans, we are a tribe and as service members, even more so. So don't think that you have to shoulder the world. Even if you're a parent, I would say I try my best to relate to parents. I am not a parent, but I try my best to relate to them. I will hear them out. I will let them vent. I will be quiet and I will say I can only imagine, but I will always listen to anyone's problems. I will always hear them out. I will not pretend to be the expert on life in general, but I will be open to share my vulnerabilities. So yes, please take time for yourself. Um, try to work through these things on your own. And if you can't, if you can't navigate through pen, pen and paper, if you can't even talk through, cause that's, that's not crazy to talk to yourself. You're able to, mm -hmm. that's completely acceptable to talk out loud and try to like problem solve. If you're not able to go through, you know, these stressors alone, definitely reach out to your family and reach out to your women and your mentors and just be vulnerable enough to get the help that you need. Cause at the end of the day, they care. We all care and no problem is too big to solve. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes uh, when people come in to talk to me at the end, they feel very relieved and thankful and I really haven't done or said anything. And I will say to them, it's it's that power of speech and and saying things out loud that help you process what's going on that sometimes help you kind of re reframe what your experience is and so whether it's me or you're talking to you know a, a friend or or someone that you trust there really is a lot of power in that and like you mentioned as well a lot of power um, with pen to paper, you know, writing things out is also another very powerful way um, to, to express yourself as opposed to just, you know, keep keeping things inside, which a lot of people will try to do, but it always ends up, you know, coming out somewhere. So it's so important to talk. Um, what are some ways that because you seem very open to this, what are some ways that you in particular take care of yourselves, like yourself? Like what are some things that you do for self-care? So I um, am a 
bit of a television buff. I <laughs> I subscribe to um, almost every streaming service. <laughs> so yeah. for me, I love to be entertained, like most people to some form or fashion. Yeah. And I love music. So one of the ways that I've been taking care of myself is setting aside time to watch something that entertains me. Um, another thing that I've done lately is watching that while on the treadmill and at a minimum walking for at least an hour. And it's really been paying off on just like the stress relief that's pent up that you didn't even know that you were carrying in your body. And um, I just feel more energetic from it. And it's just walking. I'm not doing anything extensive. I mean, there are times where I'm like, okay, well, I really want to sweat. So, you know, throw some running and jogging, but at a minimum, it's, there's no, um, heavy, heavy lift or heavy ask of myself. If I want to do more, I will do more, but I'm not going to put that pressure on myself, especially with, you know, not being able to go into the gym, which typically would be lifting. Like I, love lifting weights. That's very therapeutic for me as well. It's my alone time. I put my earbuds in, I jam out to music and, um, I just really push myself in pushing weights. And, yeah. um, another thing that I enjoy are my two dogs, Gordon and Chevy. They are, they are my heart. Aww. I love them so much. Aww. And, um, they just bring me so much joy. We do not deserve dogs. So and therapeutic. The <laughs> they dog really dogs are. are the best. And I would be remiss if I did not mention my husband, Sean. Um, he has always has a listening ear for me. And he um, really helps me alleviate the stress that I have. I always bounce off of him, like the stressors, and he gives me a peace of mind. So I'm grateful to have a partner that is able to do that for me. Yeah, you just listed some wonderful, you know, exercise, which helps with dopamine and serotonin and things that do help with mental health and and being entertained and enjoying those kind of things and music and having a wonderful partner. And of course, animals are so, so therapeutic as well. So those are some great suggestions. Um, yeah, so I wanted to ask you about uh, some projects or a project that you're going to be um, doing here at The Wings, a podcast, I believe. So can you tell us about that? Yes, I can. So thank you for that. I, um, through your help and Mr. Sandland's help, have um, news. I want to be, I would like to launch the Warrior Airmen podcast. And with the help of my uniform wearing service members and fellow airmen, I want to give them a voice a platform to have candid conversation, to bring more unity and connectedness throughout this wing. Topics, I don't have like a set set lineup of topics, but it could range from like looking into retirement, um, transitioning from being a military member to civilian, um, things that affect all of us service members, uh, family, grief, like you had mentioned grief um, before, and just everything that we deal with unique to us as, or as uh, military members. So I'm excited um, to be launching that and to get a lineup and getting material out as soon as possible. That's great. Just like you said, it's another way to connect. And I also think that 
people might feel a little more comfortable having certain conversations with you than they would with me being being a civilian. So I love that that we're able to do all these different things here with you know, and public affairs given us this opportunity to have all these great conversations and, and connecting us. Um, oh, and if if somebody wanted, sorry to go back to the MRT thing, if, if somebody wanted to learn more about that or wanted to utilize some of the MRT uh, training or skills, can they utilize you or ask you to come and talk to to their group or any supervisors or anything like that? I want to say absolutely, but please de-conflict with my leadership. Yeah. But, um, okay. so that's something else aside from the podcast that, uh, is a project of mine. It would be the warrior airman bulletin. Okay. And that would be like on monthly distro where, um, there would be some tools and skills included. And okay. I want to also build a platform on there where I kind of get, firsthand testimony from people um, within the wing leadership primarily probably to begin just to kind of um, set the tone just like hey who's who and hey what do you think about this and or how have you dealt with that just to kind of um, set the pace for what's to come with the bulletin but there'll be a section that I want to dedicate for that but then also another section for tools and how to maybe overcome um, unbalanced thinking. I know, um, I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but I think we can all relate to times in our lives where we've kind of overreacted. Um, we've hit our tipping points and that's something that we can all benefit from learning how to like hone in and balance our thinking and kind of like walk ourselves through like how emotions can sometimes, um, have us react disproportionately to something. So true. That. Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. So if anyone needed to get in touch with you or contact you or they want to find out or they're interested in doing a podcast with you, how would they get in touch with you? You can find me on Outlook, and I I am also a Title V currently, so please use my mail email. And um, you can also reach me at my personal email at mandy.givens at yahoo.com. And, um, yeah, I'm open and willing to have a conversation and I really hope to hear back from members of, within the wing on getting, you know, some, uh, podcast set up. Yeah, that would be great. And I know I've asked you too to come back on with me so we could just have some conversations on different topics. Uh, I think again, you, you bring a lot to the table and, uh, a different perspective, and I think that would be really, really helpful. So I appreciate it, and thanks for all that you do here, and I know you help a lot of people, so I appreciate you being here with me and having the conversation and, and being open with your story. That helps others, so thank you. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so thanks for joining us today. I am also in the global. If anyone would like to come on to the Wellness Podcast and, and share a story or a skill that you might have, or if you have any suggestions, please contact me and thank you for joining us.